0: So today I wanted to talk about my journey as a liar. This is such an interesting topic because I don't think I've ever said out loud to anybody that I was an incredible liar for a big part of my life, especially in my youth. And how much of a journey it was for me to go from somebody that lied all the time and way too much to somebody that lied a little bit then somebody that today, I'm sure I still lie at myself at times or something, but it's, I would say I I live an incredibly truthful life and I have a very strong internal aversion against saying lies, even if it's the smallest ones. It's turned 360 where now it feels almost religious where I will do a lot before I will say even the smallest lie if I can avoid it. And the funny thing is, I never really reflected on that journey. And I've never really, I, I never try to hide it. It's not something that's like this thing that I've been thinking about my whole life. And I'm like, nobody should know that this was part of my life. And now this is the big coming out of the closet moment where I'm like, you know what, I was a huge liar. Nobody knows this. But it, I don't feel ashamed about it. I just have not thought about it. I've not given it Attention and space for me to have real thoughts about that journey. So, this is what I'm going to attempt to do today with you, right? Because you know me so well. And hopefully, through exploring my own journey as a liar, I'm going to expose myself to myself in new ways. I'll learn or I'll have some insights, or at least it might help somebody else that listens to this that is somewhere on a similar path and that will recognize themselves in what I've said, and maybe there's something they can glean from that or learn from that, or maybe it accelerates their journey in ways that I wasn't able to to do. So let me set the stage. When I was a child, I don't know when this started exactly. I don't know how much I lied prior to age six, because everything up to age six is kind of a blur. You know, I was so young and my growing up, up until that point was very rosy family life. Everything that I remember was in rainbow colors. Mm -hmm. And then my father died. We got kicked out of our home. We had to do social housing. We had these huge family affairs and problems. And I get into school and I have this teacher. And it's kind of that year six to seven is like when... The world, all the colors went gray in my memory. And the world became a very harsh black and white, dog-eat-dog, me-against-the-world type of a place. And I know when I was six, seven, eight, nine, I know I was lying a lot. Like, that was definitely the beginning. Was it even prior to that? I don't know. I cannot remember, at least. I can't access that. But I know that I was a liar when I was younger. But I think it started peaking around the age of, probably just before puberty, 11, 12, 13. I would say those were the years where I lied to make my life more interesting, to become more impressive, to be more popular. But it was basically a, my life and what happened today is not enough. I am not enough. This isn't interesting enough. And I wanted people's attention. I wanted people's admiration. And because in my worldview, my day and my life didn't have anything impressive, I would make up stories since that is my gift, right? It's like storytelling, communication. It would make up stories to impress others. So we tell things that usually would be me saying something happened to me that just didn't happen. What? Like, give me an example. An example. I'll give you the strongest example I can think of, right? Now. I'm sure there's even stronger examples. But one example I remember, probably because I'm in Greece right now, was being in Greece during holidays. I was 12. And I was really passionate about the guitar. I was playing and practicing the guitar day and night. And I remember meeting a cousin of mine that was a really good musician. He was like 13, 14. And I had a, a demo tape of a bunch of songs from an unknown band from somebody I knew, but it was not a major band. It was, not a, it was an indie band in Germany. And I told him that it was my band and that I was playing the guitar on these songs. <laughs> Yeah. And so that could be something. Once in a while, there was a big lie like this. This is a, a, just flat out. This didn't even, nothing happened. And I just came up with something, right? Yeah. But then there were a million lies that were small ones. Um, I don't know. Like I, I saw a pretty girl and she smiled at me. But then when I was describing her, she was like, she was not just pretty. She was like
1: amazing. You
0: know what I mean? I would just add amazing.
1: to reality. Kind of like you were like, you were applying narrative Instagram filters. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's a beautiful way of putting it.
0: Yes, I was putting a lot of makeup and a lot of filters on real reality. And in that mode, when I was doing that, I was actually telling the truth because I was lying so much, that was, was truth telling. Because I think I got so, it's so habitual about this that there was no truth without a filter. And then when I would say something like, this is my band, I would actually feel bad about it afterwards. I would have like regret and I'd be like, why am I lying? This is a dumb lie. Why did I say it? just want to impress him. But when I said this girl was an incredible blonde because I knew he likes blondes, but it was actually a black haired girl. That was not even a lie. I just talked about a beautiful girl who cares. (laughs) Like I didn't, it didn't register to me as this is also not the truth, right? It doesn't really matter if you edit the truth by 1% or by 100, mm. it's both a lie. It's 100% <laughs> a lie, because that didn't happen. So I was lying a lot. And the funny thing is, I never externally, because I was, even at a young age, a natural born storyteller, because I was smart and I was never lying in ways that could get me in trouble or that people could discover. Like this, the whole band thing, this is probably one of the dumbest lies I've ever told. And he's still, I don't know, like he at least pretended to believe me. He seemed to believe me. He never challenged it. It never came up, right? But it was so big of a lie that it could have come out. But never, I never. And I lied to everybody, my mother, my brothers, my friends, school teachers, just everybody I met. Everybody, if I was talking to you, I had lied to you. But I'd never been caught at a lie. I'd never, been, I was never, I'd never been in a situation where somebody punished me, caught me, challenged me, never. I was, was pretty smart about my lies. Who I was lying to, what I was lying about it was probably part of why I was keeping things just a filter on top of reality is because it's easy to remember. I wasn't making up crazy stories every day that would get me in trouble because I would forget anything there because I lied so crass. So I never paid a price externally. Everybody always believed me, people were impressed. It was sort of working as intended. But internally, I was paying a big price every day because I knew I was full of shit. And I knew I didn't like myself, I didn't love myself, I didn't believe in myself. I wasn't confident enough to live my truth in front of everybody and have confidence. I needed to tell a lie to pretend to be confident, to pretend to be interesting, to pretend to be whatever. And it doesn't matter if nobody knew, I'm sure people knew, like even if it was just their intuition, I do think people have, oftentimes it might not penetrate their conscious mind, but intuitively and subconsciously, I I do believe that people know when they're lied to. Or when somebody's incongruent and unhonest and inauthentic. So I'm sure maybe some friendships didn't work out because people weren't like I, I was paying some prices. I just never saw the receipt. So I didn't know. But I'm sure some people felt that some of my stuff was bullshit.
1: Just nobody ever challenged me. Nobody ever called me out on anything. But Was there, was there somebody like in your environment who was like a very like somebody you who know, always tells like spectacular stories and embellishes them maybe a little bit? Or was oh, Somebody like- that
0: I could have learned from, you mean? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> As a
0: child, not that I'm aware of. I mean, in school and all that, there was a lot of lying. There were a bunch of people that, I was usually the, the catcher of lies of others because I was such a good liar. So I, could ca- like, I would call people on their lies because I could see it so clearly and I could ask the questions that would make them trip. And why would I, like, I would punish others for my lies, basically, right? I would punish other liars harshly. And now looking back at it, why? Because I wanted to punish myself for it harshly, but I was not strong enough, honest enough, courageous enough. That's the word I was looking for. I was not courageous enough to face myself and punish myself and become honest. So, I would see those lies in others and it would make me angry and it would make me feel righteous to catch them in their lies. But th- there's nobody that I could say, this is clearly somebody that I've learned this from. No. I think also lying is such a natural thing. Louis C.K. has a whole bit about this that I think is brilliant in one of his stand up specials where he talks about how much we punish children for lying. But if you actually think about it, like the first time a child, tells a lie. Let's say the child did something bad and the parents get really angry and they're like, oh, did you do this? And then the child goes, no. And the parent goes, oh, okay. And they walk away and the child is like recognizing the power of a lie, right? And the child is like, oh my God, I am a God. I can make any problem go away with this thing called lying. I think I just caught this at some point and realized this is a tool, I can just say something that didn't happen and if people believe it, they're impressed. This is, and I see this with my younger son. I have two sons. My oldest son, you would actually think he would be the bigger liar because he's such a performer, such a storyteller, and he's very talented communicator. But funny enough, he's very, very honest, way more honest than I was. It's kind of crazy, it, it almost doesn't fit his personality, but he's very honest, to a fault. And My younger son, who can 't quite match the communication abilities of his older brother, he can't quite do the storytelling he can't quite impress people with writing a poem or writing a horror story or like telling a story in a very compelling catchy way. My oldest son he's performing in front of people and they react they shower him with attention and awe they're like impressed by him. My younger son doesn't have that ability so my youngest son lies he lies a lot and we try and we are telling him dude you're amazing you don't need to lie Are you sure this really happened?" and he's not really willing to let go of the lying but he's lying a lot and it's his way to be like i also want to impress people i also want to say something that people go really this happened and, but i don't have anything so i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna make up stories this happened at kindergarten or, this happened to me here and there so he's Although he's a much more sensitive kid, a much kind of less of a performer, much bigger heart, much more empathetic. But for whatever reason, he found this and it's like they walk around and he picked up this stick and he's like, wow, with this stick I can do things and it's just lies, right? And I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happened to me. At least I don't remember seeing it with somebody else and learning it from another person, not consciously at least. Problem is, even with nobody catching me all my lies, I knew I was lying. And every lie made me feel slightly uncomfortable, like a little bit like a coward. And every lie was proof to myself that I'm a little bitch, And I'm not, not courageous enough to be honest, not courageous enough to be myself, not confident enough to live my truth. So I had to embellish, I had to lie. It's kind of like a coward thing. To, it is a big coward thing to do. And I, even as a child, did not want to be a fucking coward. and didn't feel like my true self is a coward. So every little lie was like cutting myself a little bit. It was not big enough pain for me to go to the hospital and fix it, but it was noticeable and uncomfortable. And over time, it was like my body was full of these small cuts. And I was like, this is, I could sense, I'm going in the direction that is very bad and eventually it's going to be my identity and I don't want it to be that way. And again, it didn't come externally. Nobody, it was never my parents or my mom or my brothers or a friend or somebody, teacher sitting me down and giving me the, you need to be honest speech. But it was, you know what, maybe they did. You know what I just remembered? There's only one story i would ever remember my father telling me, kind of a fairy tale sort of story. And it's the story of the shepherd that cried wolf Mm. I remember being in the kitchen and I remember my father telling me that story. You know, when you cry wolf and uh, wolf mm. is not there and you do it again. The whole villagers trust believe you first time, second time, third time. And then they stopped believing you when the wolf really came and he ate all your sheep. So, and it's funny because it stuck with me that he told me that story. And now as I'm speaking, I'm like, well, probably uh, he didn't just tell the story for no reason. Probably told the story because I was lying about something and he wanted to teach me not to lie. So there you go, maybe there's a good chance I was doing that even before he, his death. I, not, you know, not to say that I would ever think that his death made me a liar. I, I thought that the line had never anything to do with it, but it's just that I remember it when I was seven, when I was not, I remember parts of lying there, but when I was three, I don't remember anything or four or five, six, kind of very muddy waters. But now that this memory popped up, my father was telling me this, this must have been when I was five or six just before he died. And there must have been a good reason. The best reason is that I was lying like hell then as well. And he wanted to teach me not to lie because people won't believe me once I tell the truth. But it was never, at least at that point, I really didn't consciously, I never had a moment where I felt like, oh, the world will punish me for this or a feeling that, oh, somebody caught me and other people will catch me. It was not external. It was an internal feeling that I am doing something bad to myself. If I keep doing this, I will pay for this for the rest of my life. And I don't want to be that person for the rest of my life. So I need to change this at some point. Now, I don't know when I decided to start actively working on this. I don't remember. I want to say it must have been somewhere between 16 and 20 somewhere along those lines, because at some point I consciously made the decision, I don't want to be a liar anymore. I want to stop lying. And I think at first I stopped making these big lies. So I would not say this is my band or something, or I wouldn't tell a story of something that didn't happen at all. That was my first battle, because that took effort and energy. And at times I would win that battle. You know, I'd be at a coffee shop with a couple of kids and friends and I would have this brilliant story that I could tell that just popped up in my mind to impress everybody. And I would mm. hold myself back from it, right? And it's like a struggle, like fuck. And now I'm sitting here, silent. Almost
1: like, like was it wasn't like a, kind of like having a, I don't know, a hungry creature inside that wants yeah. that, yeah.
0: yeah? Yeah, and it, 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 these stories, these lies, they were being born and birthed violently out of my mind or heart. And then they were in front of me. It was not. I was not thinking, what cool story can I tell yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just yeah, there. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, oh, don't say it. Don't say it. Just keep <laughs> it inside. Just keep it inside. And then it, I would feel pain because, okay, I'm not telling it. So what am I doing now? I'm just sitting here. Well, just sitting here. I have nothing to say. That kind of sucks. And like the social dynamics of my friends or groups were also that people were expecting me to have, like to have stories to tell and stuff, right? So the, the dynamic that I'd set up was one that was always a group and me at the center. I was always the leader of the group. And so now yes. I'm sitting here and I typically, I can't deal with the silence. And now I have to suffer through not saying anything interesting, just sitting here because I have nothing to say in all honesty. And that was painful. I was like, that sucks. Being honest sucks. I just sat there and didn't say anything because I would talk less because my real stories were just, in my mind, not worthy of sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, if I don't tell the, this lie, then I might as well just not say anything. And then once in a while, I'd be in some situation and I just, it just blurred out of me. And the moment it was out, I was like, oh, why, why, did I, why didn't I catch this? And then I would push it away and maybe the next morning or the evening, I would think about it and you know, be like, why, did I, why was I not strong enough to catch this lie? But it just came out of me. So that was the beginning of the process. And it was a struggle. It was a fight. Some battles I won, some battles I lost. And again, I don't know when, but eventually I'd won the war. I would not tell big lies anymore. Or very rarely, maybe once a year, I would do it in a moment of probably grave and great insecurity or mindlessness or whatever. And then I would feel terrible about it. But it went from like, a weekly multiple time occurrence to a once a month occurrence to a twice a year occurrence to a once a year occurrence and then it was just gone. That kind of a thing. It took a long Ooh, time. That I,
1: really, that I really loved um, uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's like this, I don't know, slick Asian. He's always telling you know lies and this and that. And then there's like, he's got like a thousand words. Wait, Eddie Murphy yeah. is a slick. Oh, a, agent, not Asian. I was like, he's a slick Asian? Oh,
0: agent. agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, where he has a th- liar liar or something where there's a thousand words. And then they, yeah. no, 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 no. There's one word. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, it's a thousand words. Yeah, you're right. And then he has always to stop himself. Yeah. No, the, we're conflating two movies, I think. The liar liar, Jim Carrey movie is the one where he can only say the truth. He's a lawyer, but he can only say the truth. But then there's an Eddie Murphy movie, right?
1: Ah, okay. Maybe, I think maybe. they're
0: two different movies, but I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that was that, that's the big lie. But then the small lies, that is a battle that was bigger because it was more subtle. Actually it took me, again, I don't know when and how it happened. I wanted, when, when the thought first appeared, at some point, I remember the feeling of thinking and feeling, why did I add this filter to this story? Because this story was actually pretty good without the filter. And it was a recognition of, I don't have control over this anymore. This is just doing me, I'm not doing it. These lies are running me. I'm not using them, they're using me. They're living, they're generating life force for themselves through me, but I'm, I have no say, it just happens. And they don't benefit me. Like saying that this girl was wearing a blue dress versus a black, what, why, why, what? Why do I have to change the story? Just because I'm used to always changing all the stories. And when I recognized that, I was like, let me practice and work on that. Let me, I wanna let go of this. And this I think was a much longer process because it was more subtle. I was catching myself. It was not so obvious to me. It was not like, I'm gonna say something that totally didn't happen. That was a big thing that I would see and recognize much more strongly than when I was actually recounting something. I wanted to tell you something that truly happened this morning. And I would start telling the story of what happened this morning. Then as I'm Mm -hmm. telling the story, I'm just adding a little detail that wasn't there. And I keep, and the moment I've said the detail, I said another thing that actually happened. So it was much more hidden and That took me a long time of catching myself, practicing this, holding back, editing. And then I started doing it less and less and less. But it was, again, it's funny how long of a, pro. this is something that took years. It didn't happen over weeks, took years. Until I arrived at a point where I I feel like I rid myself of feeling like a liar. being able to identify with that word. It was like, it doesn't mean that I never lie, but I am not a liar. Yeah. And because this journey was such a big battle for me, because it took so long, and it was very internal. Nobody ever knew any of this, or most people didn't. I never paid a price for any of my lies. It was just something I didn't want to be. And it didn't feel right. And I knew I'm selling my soul and setting a path to hell for myself this way in small little pebbles. And it took a long time to turn around. But eventually, once I was off that path, it became very important to me to be truthful, to live a truthful life, and to be around truthful people. And I even it was even interesting, becoming a father was really an interesting kind of journey around this. Because once my children became like, two, three, four years old and they could communicate and they had desires and wishes and things they wanted that were difficult to please or you had to break their little hearts or you had to tell them no or they were asking very difficult questions. I was seeing how a lot of adults were just super heavy handed with the lies with children. Mm -hmm. So with my mother, my mother as a grandmother wanted to be super heavy handed with the lies. And I realized I, will not tell my sons, I'm not gonna lie to my sons. I'm always gonna give them the truth. Maybe at times I won't say something, but I will not lie to them. Because if I tell them the truth, I'm gonna demonstrate to them the kind of man I want them to be, I'm gonna be the father I wanna be, and they're gonna trust me because I deserve the trust. And I remember like my kid, and and this is something I'm, well, this is probably one of the things I'm proudest of with my children, they trust me. They're eight and six now, but, If I say there's no chocolate, they don't ask, they don't like, I remember, I would not believe my mom. right When she said this, we can't do this. I didn't believe this. It's like, she doesn't want to do it. Or we don't have this. I didn't believe it. I would go and check myself. But when I tell my sons this doesn't work or, but I often tell my sons inconvenient things. They say, we want to do this. And I don't say we don't have the money or we don't have this year, or we don't have the time. I say, no, I don't want to allow it to you. Yeah. You could have it, we have it, but I don't want to give it to you. And that's, uh, you know, in my, I remember my mother, they, she would come up with these lines. Well, no, you know, we're out of chocolate. Well, and the, my kids would be like, well, let's go to the store and buy some. And my mom would be like, the, clothes are, the, the stores are closed now. And I would step in and go, stop mom. And she would get annoyed with me. She's our oh, children. I'm just saying this to make their life easier. I'm like, no, you're saying this to make your life easier. Yeah. I would turn around and I tell them, kids, all stores are open. There's an abundance of chocolate all around the world. And even in this house, I have chocolate, but you had enough, and I don't want to give you any more because I love you. And I had to and I, I had to coach her when you interact with my children, be honest. Don't lie to them. There's no need. It's interesting. You were. I could sense a recognition in your voice, like you've seen this with your own parents or your mom or with the parents of your wife or other adults that tried yeah, to lie to yeah, Anna.
1: Thailand, yeah, yeah. remember, they, yeah, a ton, like, that. they tell their kids, like, oh, you know, if you do this, this ghost will come and eat you in at night Obviously. Wait, 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 no. You- no, <laughs> oh, you have to like brush your teeth because you, know, you explained the whole teeth thing, right? And so you have to go to sleep early because this or that, right? And then, yeah, it's, it's complicated because you have to have these debates and discussions and instead of making it a two-minute thing, you, it, it turns into a, an hour thing sometimes. But yeah, yeah it, like you say, in, in the long run, I think it makes life... Uh, I, uh, I, re- I remember driving one
0: day with the, uh, Diana, me and the two boys in the uh, back of the car, And I had this debate with that, I was like on the extremist camp, I will only accept, I'm only gonna tell the truth to my children and everybody else needs to tell the truth to my children. Diana was like, I wanna be very truthful, but once in a while, if it gets too annoying or whatever, you can lie, I don't see the big problem, right? And then my mom was in the old school Greek grandma. She wouldn't even, she would challenge me that these aren't lies, like this isn't a lie. We don't have chocolate, that's not a lie. That's just something you say to your kids so that they are not sad <laughs> that you don't give them any chocolate. I'm like, it's a lie. It's <laughs> not true, so must be a lie. What are you talking about, it's not a lie? It's like this category of all these things because they're not like, this is not your father or <laughs> whatever. Like it doesn't have this grand consequence to it. So hey, it's not even a lie. And so we're in this car, we're driving, and one of my sons is asking, He's like, mom, and he was, he just kind of grasped the concept of a construction worker. Construction worker is building things, right? Who's building houses? Well, it's an architect who makes the the, the designs and then there are construction workers that come and they build the house. And so he's in the car and he's like, who, wait a second. He's like, construct, and we, I think we passed some construction site. He's like, construction workers built houses, right? And his mom was like, yes, honey. And he's like, so, who built the earth? And then Diana turns around to me, looks at me, and goes, Well, what do I say now? You know, kind of like a see, this is the type of situation where saying the truth is difficult, right? Or complicated because I don't even know. And as she was like, So, what do we say now? I said, Just the truth. Yeah. She's like, All right, then do it. <laughs> right. She was like, All right, She's challenging me. All right, then show me your truth in this situation. And know, turned around I know. and well, I was I- like, I- Lee, I was exactly that. I was like, honey, we don't know. We have ideas and we have beliefs. Some people believe God. Some people believe this. Some people believe that. Many people don't know what to believe. But the honest truth is, we don't know yet. We're just curious and we have ideas, but we just don't know. And he's like, well, if there is a God and he built the earth, who built God? And it was like. Honey, this question is so powerful that I don't know how to answer it. I don't know. I'm just as amazed by this question as you. I don't know either. Nobody knows. What do you think? He was like, I don't know. I was like, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> I don't know, right? It was like, just say the truth. I don't know, it's not that difficult. right? But it was a funny, it was a funny moment because to their mother, it, in that moment, it felt like this is so difficult and I'm conflicted because yeah. I don't believe in God, but I know in school they tell them about God, it's their little children, or maybe this will scare them. Who we'll knows? Right? It's like this overwhelming question. It's like, well, you can just be Even honest like, with them.
1: Like Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, yeah. you know, all of this thing. Like, at some point I was like, Well, should I should I keep it she asked me, Is it is it real? I'm like, actually it's not real. It's just, you know, parents doing things to to have their kids. But You've seen her, like, chasing the Easter eggs. Easter yeah. She's still fucking enjoying it. It's, it's not like it's, you don't take the joy out of it. You can tell them the truth, but they'll still enjoy it just as much. Yeah. If you don't, if you
0: don't destroy the possibility for them to use their imagination to add yeah. wonder to their life, they will add yeah. their imagination everywhere and wonder and magic, right? Yeah. It's just when you forbid it or when you work towards them stopping that, that it will stop. But if you tell them there's no real issue, but we will pretend and the Easter Bunny will bring chocolates and it's gonna be amazing. That's just gonna, we're playing a game and game and life to them, it's all merging in one thing. It doesn't really matter. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my early years as a liar. I think that it's it's not a coincidence that I chose sales as a tool that made me successful early on, because I do believe that a lot of great liars make great salespeople, because they know how to get people's attention, they know how to win over people's trust, and they know how to tell stories in a way that will make people follow them and do what they want. Right? It's a powerful tool. And because they be- some of them become these chameleon beings that adapt so, effortlessly to the environment that any room they're in, any group they interact with, they know exactly what to say and how to be to please impress and convince these people to do what they want them to do and to purchase from them. So I think that a big part of why I was successful in sales early on, I don't know, was I, li- I, was, I was not lying by telling people like crazy stories that didn't happen or something like that, but I was much more a chameleon and like adapting Knowing what people wanted to see and showing it to them. And it took me in sales as well, it took a journey for me to recognize who I truly am and then show that to pe- and lead people through my authenticity versus leading through lying. But I wonder if, like, if a, a lot of like natural born liars or, or lying artists, because there's an art to it, and I was really good at that art. A lot of these people, when they find financial success, they find it because they go into a profession where your main job is to convince others to do things through communication, right? That would make, that make, currently that theory makes a lot of sense to me. If I I pass through, if I I review all the salespeople I've met in my life, um, (laughs) that that would kind of make sense. I am, you know, I am wondering this, I don't have a big lesson or a template or something practical or pragmatic to give. But I do, like usually anything that I recognize about myself or any journey I go on, there's a need for me to share it with the world to help others. This is an interesting one where I'm like, I don't have a particularly, like this would be a much better story if there was one moment that turned me around from liar to truth teller, right? It would be a more compelling story if something catastrophic happened, if I had to pay a big price that made me learn the lesson. There's not that much detail and color in this journey But I don't know, I still feel like it might be useful to people, even just to hear somebody like me describe himself as a liar and as somebody that went through this journey. Maybe even that just gives people some relief or maybe it helps them recognize something and gets them on a path. And maybe as I think more about this later on in life, I'll develop more more insights or more thoughts that I'm that I'll be able to share with the world. But I had something in me, some, something recently happened where I saw somebody not being honest with themselves and somebody sort of kind of using lies to win things over. And that made me recognize my journey as a liar. And then I remembered, wow, this was such an important part of my personal development, my character development. And it's one that I've never shared with anybody. And I think that's, that was my intention for today's episode, for today's recording. It's just to share that jury, jury so it's out there for everybody to see.
1: You also mentioned this. Feeling the need to embellish your stories so that they would capture the attention and, and get you the admiration that you craved. And then at some point realizing, hey, actually this is not necessary. It's like in the actual truth itself, how I've experienced it, right? And how I recall it, there's things that, and I'm curious about this because like you haven't, I don't think you've actually in this conversation explicitly said it, but now you are able to tell stories and events truthfully and very captivating and you don't need the tool of lies anymore or even embellishment anymore to captivate or move an audience
0: no but i have now lived and i'm now living in a much more interesting exciting eventful life right so i went from dreaming about who i wanted to be and pretending i'm part of that already and telling that to the world to being the way I want to be living the life I'm living that generates so many stories that I just can share them like I live an interesting life so I can be interesting in the way I communicate with people but it's not I want to be interesting so I tell interesting stories yeah and it's not even in all in all areas you know there's this is a journey of like self-acceptance and self-love like it's if I don't face my own truth, then I cannot tell my truth to others. And if I cannot accept or face the truth that in some areas of my life, I am, you know, I, I think in a recent recording, when we were talking about this year was the year where I discovered that I had w- been out of touch with my emotions, I didn't, my heart was completely closed down and that I, I hadn't felt my feelings in decades, I just thought them. Right, cool. The next thing that I shared, I think in a recording, was the realization that my mind seemed very mature, but emotionally I was still a child, I hadn't developed. Now, I'm able to share that today because I'm able to accept that and forgive myself for that, be okay with that. But for most of my life, I wasn't. I was so mature and I appeared so wise to the outside world that the areas of myself that were Childish and insecure, I was hiding. And you know what I mean? Like, those are still areas that I wasn't willing to share with everybody. I wanted them hidden because I was not willing and courageous to face them myself. And, but I think the how to tell interesting stories, I think the talent was always there for me. Obviously, I've practiced now more because I've, I've done so much content, so much storytelling, but the source of capture, cap, being captive, the way I tell stories doesn't have to be embellishment anymore because I have worked hard enough to be the type of person and to live the type of life that generates interesting stories. And so I can just share what is happening in my life and what I'm learning and what I'm experiencing and just share my truth with people and know that it's going to be great for them. Now, if I lived a life that I felt was, you know, boring and empty and meaningless, i i couldn't share compelling stories and then i would either have to lie or i would have to jump off a cliff and just like end it but yeah i think that that's the shift that happened
1: i actually wonder if like the whole social media is feeding into that because you have this kind of your own stage that is there right yeah and it's about especially like so maybe i'm just looking through the you know, grumpy old man lens where every generation looks at the next generation and is like, "Oh, the world is going to shit, right?" Yeah. Uh, but uh, I do think there's a little bit of actually where it it just feeds into that where it's like, "Wow, look at what my circle of friends, the awesome things they have, right?" And then you're like, "Okay, that's there's some some kind of urge to keep up and top that, right? To remain part of this."
0: Yeah. I- I actually, I don't think that's the old grumpy grandpa. I think that's true. Now, what will the consequence be long-term? Now, if you look at this as very negative, all generations from now on are going to be fucked. I think that's old grandpa thinking. Are we going through a negative phase? I, I am 100% certain we are. Is social media more negative force in people's life or a positive one? I think now more negative. And I think this is the fifty minutes of fame that has been such a prophetic statement, right? Because... On social media, everybody, no matter who they are, has a stage and they have the tools to pretend to be more beautiful and more interesting than they truly are. So you give somebody a stage and an easy tool to make themselves look more interesting, more successful, more pretty, more happy than they are and they're gonna use it. And now what you've given everybody is a cage because now that image and identity of themselves is out there. And so what do you do now? You only want to live up to that and everything that doesn't live up to that, you want to hide from the world. And you're learning to hide it. Pictures that don't look that good, nobody cares. Pictures where you follow the path of this will be attractive to your audience, get strong reactions. So you get rewarded to be interesting and pretty and you get punished, punished by no engagement, punished by no likes, punished by no retweets, punished by no whatever comments. You it's get
1: interest, to your tribe, right? Yeah. So you're kind of, you're sinking a little bit in the in the social ladder or uh, hierarchy yeah so what do you do?
0: You do less and less things that are not interesting or will not be rewarded, and you attempt to do more and more things that are rewarding and now all of a sudden you push this so far that there's a version of the author that is absolutely nothing like the truth and so now what do you do with that right you're, but that is the version people love that is the version people respond to that is the person people accept. What does that mean about you that is fucked up. That is very, very tough. And it's creating a golden cage that people willingly enter and lock themselves in and then they starve and they're in pain. But they're so rich because the cage they have is out of pure gold, you know? And so I definitely think that this is amplified through social media today. Now, where will this lead? Who the fuck knows? Pretty sure something beautiful is always born out of something painful. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're in the phase of, of generating more pain and more suffering than ever before on the psychological level through these stages that we've built for all of us.